Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Ted Lasso Season 3, Episode 11, Part 10. Part 10, the mother of all... Ted Lasso, <laughs> Deep Dive Episodes. I am your host, Coach Castleton. With me, as always, is Coach Bishop. And we rely on each other. Oh, my God. Every time he sings, Coach, it just <laughs> it makes my day so much better. You just do not sing enough. Uh, I, I, uh, I think I know someone who will agree with me. That would be our boss, Emily Chambers. Correct. And I sing exactly the right amount, which is none. Yeah, you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> Also, uh, sorry, it occurred to me, I think in a previous episode, I said, um, this way up and this way down, favorite TV show and one of my favorite books, both about attempted suicides. It, uh, it's A Long Way Down is the name of the book, uh, just in case anybody's looking for it. I feel like oh, you'd still oh, be able oh, to find oh. it if you're looking for Nick Hornby, cool, cool. but just need to clarify, because you should read it because it's great. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oof. I, yeah I, I have I, read that. I have to confess that I never read um, novels. I just, it's not that I don't read. Yeah. I just don't read. Not I, and I always feel a bit sheepish because they're like, I have friends who've written novels that I'm like, yes, I'm totally going to read that. And it's been yeah. years and I haven't done it. I somehow have to get that into my mix. So maybe I'll use, maybe I'll use that to get myself started or something. You're like the Tom Cruise character from, um, from Cocktail. I've me- I referenced this before. Oh yeah. He yeah, 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 like yeah, a yeah, self-help yeah, yeah. book under the bar, like behind yeah. the bar. Yeah, yeah. But he would never read like, you know, how to the Baskervilles. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. At any rate, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> maybe I just. Boss, maybe boss I, gave me a look. She's like, don't reference Sherlock Holmes. Don't, how <laughs> no, dare no, you? No. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I have a long history of having a number of really great teachers and professors who are intentionally anti canonical when it comes to a lot of uh, the stuff we read. So people, I never read like Lord of the Flies. Because when I was supposed to be reading it in middle school or early high school, we were focusing on other things. And then Mm -hmm. I sort of passed it up. There's a bunch of that stuff that like I am sort of familiar with, but never actually got into reading. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish that they had taken the same path in college because then I wouldn't have to have read the Canterbury Tales three fucking times. What? It is not as... It's not that funny, guys. It's not as funny as you think it is. It's the not that funny. Ch- boy, Chaucer is a real knee slapper. I've you. never, I've never read it, but I have. Uh, no, don't a, wait. A but you've referenced it many times, it. Coach. Canterbury. You've referenced Ch- Chaucer as like. Oh, a, that's like, like my go-to though. That's like if somebody yeah. says something totally disgusting, and I'm like, my Angelou. Like I just think yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah, that yeah, joke yeah. never yeah. gets old to me. So Chaucer, it's no. like Chaucer, my Angelou. Or some book from the Bible. Like, I, it's always something. And yeah. I just love that joke. Chaucer, <laughs> Maya Angelou, or Judges yeah. 1214. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, you know, All right. Just, nice. You know, uh, anything respectable that I can sully up a bit, I guess, is sure. what we're getting. Love that. Okay. Where we left off last time, uh, we had the um, the thruple of uh, Keely, uh, Roy, and Jamie in the rehab uh, room taking care of Jamie uh, uh, daddy Ted has a has a look of um, of quiet uh, pleasure not that kind of pleasure not boss kind of pleasure uh, <laughs> not, 
just straight yeah, schadenfreude uh, combined with like some weird sexual fetish like boss would like. No, that word bums me out. Sexual? Pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. Oh, ple- oh, pleasure. No, <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure. It's so... It's so Bleh, right? vague as it like it it never means one specific thing, but it always means something that feels a little gross. Like there's never been a time oh, yeah. where somebody's like, oh, it gave me a lot of pleasure. And you're like, good. I'm glad to hear that. It's always like, I wish you hadn't told me that. Okay. So <laughs> you, didn't know that you feel about it like I feel like uh, that's how I use that's how I think of sexy and erotic. Those two. Yes. Like it's like just for a punchline. Although yes. I will use pleasure center quite a bit as a punchline thing like oh should we like well tell me about your pleasure center or something people are like what the fuck <laughs> no no don't think i will um i don't i i'm not without an anatomy book that's <laughs> no, pretty much my the lawyer only way. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah um i yeah uh okay so uh speaking of uh of pleasure we get to open this up with um uh the great nathan shelley <sighs> okay all right I'm cracking my knuckles, getting ready for this. I'm, um, uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, boy, oh boy, did you pick a bad time to start this podcast. <laughs> uh, we, we are spinning out of control at the end oh. of episode 11. We cannot get to the final episode. We, we are, are you know, in a quagmire of thought. And um, we, we are luckily we have our buttercups here to thank us. I, I have gotten the funniest emails over the last week about buttercups who are with us, like completely with us in I'm, I'm like, Oh, this pace is too slow, but the buttercups are going, no, 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 no. Like this is, this is where I am. I'm like really hesitant to, to keep going. Um, we've gotten wonderful uh, uh, emails from everyone. So thank you. Keep those coming. Um, okay. So as we start this, we are with Nathan. And boss, walk us through this scene. He is looking through some paperwork on the like counter area of of uh, of um, his. Is this Jade's place? This is Jade's place, right? Yes, I'm pretty sure that this is Jade's place. He is looking through not just some paperwork, but a stack of paperwork. Um, we've come to find out later that it's sixty full pages. Uh, Jade walks in, says, "Hey, I'm back." Uh, she says, Hey babe, are you all right? Uh, and she has a bag with her from taste of Athens. Someone never picked up their order. And then he finally gets to the point and says, so, um, I don't know if you heard, but Derek fired me today. And she responds, that bastard, that bastard. Yeah, she, that's great. What acting. a son of a bitch. Man, it's like, she didn't see that coming. It was amazing. That was mm-hmm, amazing. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. is this Jade in the beginning? That's all. I just wish we had an inkling, right? Just yeah, yeah. I really like her. Okay, keep going, boss. Uh, <laughs> boss just shrugged. Boss goes. Eh, well, I don't give a shit about her. I no, 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 no. It's not that I don't give a shit. It's just like I actually do think that one of the stronger points of the season was figuring out how true to character early Jade is with later Jade. Right. Because right. she is not going to give this Jade to everybody. This is, she is going to be the standoffish hostess at Taste of Athens who is not into your bullshit and is going to do her job and not be overly concerned with how much you wish you she would be friends with you. Like, she's doing this on her own terms. She likes Nate, so now she's willing to give this to him, but this was not going to be her the first time you met her. Regardless of who you are, she is not going to be this Jade the first time that you meet her. 
I guess it's funny. That. I think about the yes, that's right, boss. Um, uh, very well said. I, I, I was thinking, like, I just sort of got lost in thought while you were talking about that. And I'm like, oh, someday, this is like a serious relationship. This is Nathan's most serious relationship, right? To date, like, I, I would say, like, this is his, yeah. like, this is the sort of love of his life at this point, right? It, yeah. Right. And I'm like, if they if they make it like the stuff that we used to cringe about is will be their story. Like the stuff where he couldn't open a door and he was like, he's like, he's like, I was so nervous, you know, around your mom that I would just like right, not right. even open doors. Right. Or I'm like, wow, that is, that is perspective is a uh, interesting thing. Anyway. Um, she says uh, that bastard. He says, yeah, I was devastated and keep going boss. Uh, yes. Uh, he is devastated by the loss of the job. Uh, but it made me realize that even though there's only one match left, I have to go back to Richmond to make things right. Currently writing Ted an apology letter. It's 60 pages, but I'm just looking for a few trims. So, okay, wait, I want to, I want to point out one thing. Uh, thank you, boss. I don't mean to uh, stop you, but I want to point out Jade's, um, facial expression here because Mm -hmm. she, I talk all the, all the time. If you knew how much I talk off line uh, about what number four should be and the fact that it should be decisiveness and coach will often try to refute me just on our little thread with me and boss mm-hmm. and he'll be like well mm-hmm. actually coach what about this and, and it gets to the point where uh recently when he texted me and and boss about something like another perspective about um about like clarity he was talking about the clarity of that it requires to make a decision like that i was like yes i'm with you coach but also but someone has to take that clarity and then make the final call and then poor boss had to say on our text thread god damn it i have to i hate to say this but i agree with (laughs) coach and uh anytime she agrees with me it just uh an angel uh, dies somewhere, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, that's – it just doesn't make sense yeah. that, that that would happen. That's too much – whatever our thing is, too much on one side. It needs to be – we're like uh, Highlander, except we're not killing each other. We're just disagreeing on stuff. Very polite form of getting beheaded. I love that example. Yeah, that should I'm, be our tagline, am, by the way. I am like Ramirez. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, no. Coach is Ramirez. Coach is. Oh like, God! Now we're thinking about he's it. He's Ramirez. I mean, I'm Connor. I just got. I have to be. You know. I have so, to I mean, confess that I don't know Highlander. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty much the Highlander. I think the beard makes me the. Sure. Um, yeah. No. 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 That and my sense. Scottish ancestry. Clearly. Um. And you would be the Kurgan boss. I can go for that. I will say. Um. I know that I have seen Highlander. I might have been way too young because my hippie parents were like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Aliens is fine. How old are you? 10 aliens is fine. Um, so I know that I have seen it, but as I get older, the only thing I can think is why was the tagline? There can only be one. Cause there's many times during the movie when there were multiple Highlanders, multiple mortals walking around. Yeah. But that's the whole thing. They have to have a competition until there's one left. But they that's don't the because there are hundreds of years they do. where they're not having that comp. That's because it wasn't the quickening is- yet. Are you serious? You want to talk Highlander with me for a long no. time? I remember. No. no, I don't. No, I do not. I don't. The, <laughs> the one thing I don't want to do. I remember there was a point in my life where I think it like I think the imagine. Uh, this has happened several times 
I really, really appreciate bold strokes. I've said this before on the podcast. So when, when I see someone using real creativity or real imagination, it doesn't matter where it is, I get really excited. And so for one very brief moment in my life, I remember this was my favorite movie, Highlander. I was like, oh, that is so cool. It's just a great idea. And um, I remember my uncle, who was like a journalist for the New York Times, like watching it with me. And he was like, this is your favorite movie? <laughs> like this, this is a pile of shit. <laughs> like, I remember him like really looking down his nose at me. And I was like, you don't get it, man. But by the way, the Kurgan was Clancy Brown, uh, who, who, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh, I, I love Clancy yes, Brown. I thought you would like that. He really just chews scenery and has a blast with it. And um, the uh, uh, the character that I said was Coach was played by the one and only Sean Connery, Coach. So I was telling you that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you would have Sean Connery play the Spaniard. A wonderful casting. He can't, it was so much fun. Miss. It was so much fun. <laughs> well, he miss. was a Spaniard in this version of his life. He was actually an Egyptian, if you go back long enough. I, I know way too much about that movie. Let's move on to okay. um, there's a show a Ted called Lasso. Ted Lasso. Oh, we are in uh, season right. 11, boss. Is that related to Ted Lasso? Yeah. Ted okay. Lasso. No, season 11. I said season 11. No, 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 no. We're Remember, just up left and right. Time, the wheels last are time coming was off. Ted Lasso. We, we, we gave you a hard time for that. I actually got a note from a buttercup. Saying that they were looking forward to our deep dive of Ted Lassen as well. That Buttercup can kiss my. <laughs> I know who that yes. Buttercup is. That Buttercup. He's laughing right now, listening to you. God say this. damn it! Oh, that Buttercup. That's she, she defines the thing that that uh, where where Buttercups are beautiful but poisonous. That is. That is I feel like I'm related to her. I want to kick her butt so much. I feel right, like she's right, my right, sister. Right, 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 you know? right. <laughs> um, all right. So, so back to we are. This is terrible. What a terrible episode, boss. Why don't you try to fix this episode by um, explain? Now that I've, I've. Oh, oh, God! I didn't make my point. Jesus Christ! All that, and I didn't make the point. I love, I love Jade's uh, face in, in this because the, by taking the initiative and by having. Uh, Put, she put Derek in a position. I still don't know what Derek was into because he couldn't tell us because then we would know what he was into, which is so goddamn funny. But Jade walked in at some point with that like sort of a moderately alien offstanding off, you know, offstandish. What's the, what's the term? Standoffish. Right Standoffish. Right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, coach. Standoffish kind of vibe. And she's like, Hey, um, if you don't fire Nate today, I'm going to tell him about blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. And just like completely blackmailed Derek to the point where he had to call Nate in immediately to fire him to sweet. And then the, the result of that is J- Jade made that call again, decisiveness. She made the call of her own volition. Boss would say, I think if, if we wasted time on this, which we're not going to boss would be like, that's such a, she's breaking a boundary. She's putting her own needs ahead of whatever. You know, there's there's a certain perspective where that's the case. There's a certain perspective where Ted uh, manipulating Beard into watching the video and, and reliving his own past is is, is similarly breaking a boundary. This, Fortunately, this that's not going to come up again. No, no, thank God. Let's not let's never speak. No, about no, it again. no. That'll be totally fine. Um, but uh, I just want to take a moment to. I really just appreciated uh, Jade's the, her face, her facial expressions because it was like she decided this, she went with it. And the net result was um, that it had the exact 
like the precise tactical effect that she was hoping for, where the second he wasn't focused on being good at his job, whatever job that may be at the time, in this case, it was waiter. He had the, he had the perspective to sit back and be like, you know what? There's only one game left, but I think I, I think I need, I need to do this. I need to get back to Richmond. And she knew it and she loved it and she was proud of herself. Right. And so that's why I want to call it out. No, I like, I like that. And I don't think we have spent a ton of time here. I, I, I think it's a risk that we sometimes take in relationships, right? I mean, a simple version of this is like, oh, I'm not going to do anything for my birthday and then throw the person a birthday party. Now, there's a way that can like play out where it's like, oh my God, thank you all so much. You know, I feel so loved. There's another version where, you know, it goes the other way and they're unhappy and they leave crying. And it's like, I told you I didn't want anyone to celebrate my birthday, right? So it's also Jay took a, took a chance here may not have been a huge chance. I mean, she may not have thought like he's going to break up with me, but he could have been like, Hey, listen, when I'm ready to go back to Richmond. So you have to put yourself out there a bit when you really feel like the other person is stuck and they can't even see how stuck they are. And you're going to like take some action on their behalf. It's, it's I a love big that step. Coach, you know what? I'm I'm thinking about like it, it, I'm a I'm a big gamer, a video gamer, and sometimes when you build a character, you have a like a data set. So you have like, oh, your charisma is this, and your athleticism is mm-hmm. this, and your whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hum- we don't know it, and there's probably a German word for it that I do- also don't know. But it's like, how good are you when you're in a relationship at making that call? Like some people are better than others at that yeah. specific thing. Like yeah. they just know and they're confident in it. And then other people are like, God, I don't know. And also when you're trying to be in a relationship where you're really respectful to your partner, if you try to be like in a sort of modern, very, very, you know, equal relationship. And someone says, we talked about this with Wayne. Wayne, uh, Dell says, don't follow me. Mm-hmm. And Wayne is like, okay, she says it. I respect her, but she really, you know, she needs somebody to follow her and he doesn't have that gear yet. So I'm like in certain relationships, like, I don't know. I think like, I'm. I wonder how I am in that. I I maybe not be, might not be very good. I don't know. I'm just like, I think it's like a thing, like, especially if you're with somebody a long time, eventually if they'll, they'll probably clue you into like where you, where those sort of, where there's wiggle room, I think, but yeah, it can be difficult. So I think the only thing that I'll say to that, you know, um, I read it, uh, what I believed at the time was a phenomenal book and am unwilling to go back and revisit at this point in my life. But in high school, I read this book called Illusions. It's some whack shit. It's something about how people can become Jesus-y, but also reincarnation. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. The only important thing is that there's a line in the book where they say that the golden rule is... Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But that that isn't exactly right. Because uh, a sadist would want you to treat them differently than you would want them to treat you. Mm-hmm. So what you should do, what the goal should be, treat a person in the way that you think they most want to be treated. Do, do unto them as you think they most want them to be done unto, yeah. uh, essentially. Yeah. And I know somebody calls so, that the platinum rule, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So like it, giving it that idea, um, I am the kind of person that if you push me to do something, 
especially if you're like, oh, well, I want you to do this for your own good. I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to do whatever the fuck you want. I want like, absolutely. No, I've said before that if uh, my mom or my older sister, anybody who I sort of like look up to in specific ways had pushed me really hard to go back to finish my degree, I wouldn't have. Because I'd have been like, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. But if they had made it a priority, I would have rebelled. But because they were like, well, you'll figure your shit out. I'm not worried about it. I figured my shit out. And now I'm good. So I think that the only issue for me is it seems like the team behind Ted Lasso is very in favor of the idea of you step in and help a person get to where they want to go. And when that works for that person, phenomenal, wonderful. If they are not the kind of person who that would work for, please don't do that. Because there is a situation where Higgins telling Beard at the end of the yes. season two episode. I was, yes. I was gonna I was just gonna reference that. You yep. pulled it out of my brain. That's awesome, boss. Yes. Where he like yeah. does go in and interfere. Right. And and right. he and he and and Beard hugs him and said thanks him and says, Let's never speak of this again. Because he knows his yeah. heart's in the right place. Yeah, exactly. And, well, and he knows that Higgins' heart is in the right place, but also it doesn't result in Beard and Jane breaking up. Like right. what Higgins wanted was for Beard to know if Jane was making him a better person and that's what Beard figured out, but he figured it out in a way where he's like, okay, I'm going to ask Jane to give me what I need for her to help me become a better person. Yeah, no, it's true. It's really, it, it, everybody's different. Coach, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I, it, Cause you, you really led me something. The, the two elements, as you were having that conversation, one thing that struck me is, and your college example really helped is we often, or I shouldn't say it that way. It is possible to to decide that something is best for someone, but in a way it's best for them in that it's what would make us happiest for them. Yes. Right? Yep. And so if I want you to go back to school on some level, if I'm your mom, and, and let us be clear, I revere this woman and can't wait to meet her. <laughs> So let's, I'm going to, this is a world, this is a fake world where she's imperfect. So I'm going to say it. So, but no, if she's, if she's saying, you know, she says, I want you to go back to college, but the subtext is actually so that my friends know that my daughter graduated from college. Yes. That's Mm -hmm. different than I can see if the subtext I say is, I can see that you're nervous that you can't do it. And I know that you can, and I want you to know that you can, Right. And I think sometimes those get Jade. Jade does not give a shit about a taste of Athens, and and on some on another level, probably also doesn't give a shit if Nate works there. The problem with Nate working there is yeah. he's hiding there. That's the problem, and and so I think he experiences that part. Yeah, as opposed for sure. to like, oh, you crowded me. I don't want. It's just, this isn't. It doesn't feel like space. a huge risk. This isn't, oh, this, is, this isn't Keeley. This is this isn't saying, "Roy, you're spending too much time around me." That's not the problem, here. right? You know. Yeah, she makes it yeah. clear she doesn't give a shit about a taste of Athens, and nor should he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I think I would again point to the fact that Nate seems to actually take an interest and some pride in doing his job there, and that that shouldn't in any way be denigrated. I don't want anybody to think that being a Premier League football right. coach right. is superior to being 
an outstanding manager at a restaurant that people like because Taste of Athens was somebody's favorite restaurant. Like it's it's Nate's favorite restaurant. So I don't know, especially on Twitter right now, there's all this weird shit about like, should Waffle House employees get paid? Do they deserve $25 an hour? And I'm like, fuck yes. Have you been in a Waffle House? Yeah, right. They deserve hazard pay. That's what I was going to say. I was just going to say combat pay. I was going to say hazard pay. What is up? What is up with the parallel thinking today? Oh, my God. It's terrible. We all have the same joke. It's not going to be good. We're morphing into one terrible, terrible person. Oh, God. We can't live in my place. <laughs> I can't. I just don't want you here. I Yeah, no. no we, I don't have the not welcome. Um, I, w- I had a good laugh uh, the other day, boss, about thinking we were talking about addiction. And I was saying, I don't I don't have any, you know, I don't have any experience with it. Uh, and and you were smiling the whole time. And, um, and then I was thinking, like, but yeah, but like couldn't you just help him out and something? And you're like, Oh, he's just adorable. Like it's adorable. Like almost a stuffed animal level of cluelessness. It's so cute. Yeah. It's a cute. And, and I was thinking, it's and, so and, earnest. Yeah, and really, so right, I mean, well, yeah. And then, yeah. but then we got to the thing where your, your uh, stepdad used to steal your yeah. clarinet to buy heroin. And I yeah. told my kids this, like this morning, I was like, listen to this and they were like yeah. dying laugh they're like oh my god like not laughing at you they're like no a, like the absurdity of story the that emily can tell i'm like yeah yes she tells no, that this about is, her life yes this is the thing and you guys this is not even all of it this is like we're at maybe 20 or 30 percent there's like <laughs> there's so much shit oh god so I and I can't get into all of it right now, but what I've said before to other people, when I've tried to like, it, when I need it, it, therapists, mostly with therapists, when I'm like, I need to just information bomb you about my background. I'm like, there are five big things that I think you should know. And I made the mistake one time that I told her the first thing. And the first thing is four parts. So I said, there are five things about me. And then I said four parts. And she was like, okay. And what is the last thing? And I was like, oh, shit. No, I did that bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did that so bad. That's just part one. All that shit was just part one. So that was all part one. You know what? I, I, this feels to me, I actually really, I, I know I'm channeling the buttercups right now because I want to hear this. But I seriously think we should do. Why don't we put this in the books as like a special, like yeah, one of our special episodes, and we just like go. We do like bosses five things. Bosses five things. And Make sure you do not get caught up on part one. It is which is a four parter lo- apparently. Four parter. Yeah. So what's the last thing? Oh no no oh no oh no oh no oh, no. No. oh, oh honey we're so oh, honey oh we're so far we're so far from where we need to be. Um. All right. So. Uh, uh, there's only one last left. I have, to, I have to make it back to Richmond, make things right. Uh, t- Nate's got a very uh, pleasant uh, smile on his face, although we just, uh, well, no, we say pleasure and pleasant. I would say we're going to make fun of the term pleasure. Um, yeah. Okay, so currently, right, Ted, I apologize. It's 60 pages, but I'm looking for a few trims. Uh, doorbell rings, and Nate leaves. And as he leaves, there's a little thing that I liked. Uh, Jade, like, pivots the paper towards her and pulls out a pen, and she's like, all right, like, and I'm like, God, that is, what a yes. game person. Like, she is just game. She's like, all right, like 60 bit. Like, I, 
if if that were four pages, I would have to pay Coach two hundred dollars. It would be fifty <laughs> bucks a page. He'd be like, "Yo, man, like I love you and everything, but like <laughs> that's single space, <laughs> like <laughs> <It's> single space." <laughs> but Jay just pivots it around, and she's like, "All right, yeah, like you know, clicks the bot- the back of yeah. the pen." I'm like, "Damn, now." Now we get to well. It, sorry, so just oh, to oh. one quick point on that, but yes, when it is four pages, it is so much harder to edit because it is it, it as much as I know that Twitter is a hellscape. There's something about forcing you into 140 characters yeah. where you're like, "What is yeah. the point of this thing that I'm trying to say?" Essence. Yeah. Sixty pages. You you could throw away an entire page without reading it. There was definitely something in there that he was saying that did not need to be covered or he was repeating, and God knows, we have done 14,000 hours talking about this TV show, but there is so much to trim in that, that of course she would jump right into it. She'd be like, let's let's scratch this entire quarter first. I, I, I Yes, you know, if there's 60 pages, there are definitely some trims that could happen. But also, I like that she now knows him well enough that he says he has he is working on a 60 page apology and her reaction is of course you are yeah give me the pen all right here we go like right cuz he's going to bring right he's going to bring the same amount of effort and verb That's and dedication right. that he brings to total football or whatever uh, uh st- strategy on the football pitch as he brings to mm-hmm. uh, uh the nuts at taste of athletes, that's right you know like pushing the, the nuts whatever yeah absolutely yeah. which definitely sounds dirty but i can't even figure out what it would mean but that didn't sound good as i well said. boss is just nodding yeah. <laughs> boss is like i know what it means you want to yeah. know <laughs> i got an answer Wait, what was it? Bad Moms? Was that uh, Mila Kunis and Catherine Hahn and Kristen Bell? Am I thinking the right one? Is it Bad uh, I know the one. I know. I'll I look it. I'll double check. I, I don't yeah, remember yeah, the yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. But I believe that it was Catherine Hahn, although it might have been Kristen Bell talking about uh, her husband. Now that they've been in a relationship for such a long time, trying to have sex, that some sometimes he's not even hard. Sometimes he'll just shove it all in there. And so I'm pretty sure that's what that's um, pushing the nuts would mean. You just, <laughs> all of it. All of it up there. Um, that is so I, – I, that's like a trailer moment. I, 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 I haven't seen that movie, but – wait, correct me if I'm wrong. If that's Bad Moms, and I remember that moment, which I think must have been in like a Red Band trailer. Um, was there also – so Bad Moms, which is about bad – these characters. Then you have also – didn't you have Bad Teacher, which was – Cameron yeah, Diaz. Oh, yeah, Cameron Diaz. And, and then um, now you have Bad yes. Sisters. Was that also? That's a TV show, TV yes. TV show, Bad Sisters. Okay, and they're all women. They're all women-based, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think yeah. if there's a bad... A oh, Bad Santa may have been a man. I'm trying to think of what bad... Yeah, bad Santa no, Bad was Santa was played by a woman. Come on. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to see if there's an exception to the rule or if we're always equate... Like, when we entitle something with bad, it has to be a a, a woman-based thing. That's all I was... I'm just, well, I'm I just th- positing that theory, boss. That's all. Um, all right, so uh, uh, are we good with um, the the beat here with uh, Nate and, and okay? So now um, we we need a drum roll or uh, something saying uh, dun, 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 dun. we have we have a uh, a beat where I, that's more for boss than than what actually happens on the on the show. What were you gonna say, boss? Yeah. 
I don't, I'm not going to be mean. There are a couple of things. Number one, this felt like something that Brendan Hunt specifically really wanted to work into the show. He mentioned in his Reddit, ask me anything that like, this was an idea that he had had sort of uh, floating around the back of his mind for a long time. Also, we need to keep in mind that Ted Lasso was like eight years in development Mm -hmm. with Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis putting this together. So I'm sure that this was a like, they were on the second to last episode. He's always wanted to do this. They wanted to put it in. I feel like this entire story should have been cut. But this is a darling that needed to be killed. That as much as I love Mm. Brendan Hunt and I love Coach Beard, and I understand why he wanted this, it just doesn't make... Outside of what it would theoretically do if I believe this story to be real to Ted and Beard's relationship, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like from a timeline perspective, it makes no fucking sense. How so? And we should probably get into the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, itself. Let's, let's, right, yeah, let's, yeah. We're going to get into that. I'm let's, curious. Let's do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I want to say I know you love Brendan Hunt. He was on um, Celebrity Wheel of Fortune the other day. Which yes, I he don't was. watch Wheel of Fortune. No, but I watched it to see Brendan Hunt. It was him. He was in the middle. Yeah. Um, and then um, it was Melissa Villa Senor, and it was um, Joe Buck. Joe Buck. Uh, Joe, Buck. Joe Buck. Everybody really? hates Joe Buck. Everybody hates Joe Buck. Until, Except for me. Until you watch Brockmire. And then you go yes. from like, fuck Joe Buck to, holy shit, I love Joe Buck. I love, I love you, Joe Buck. That's how you feel. It's like the best marketing That's funny. twist ever. Coach, you have not watched Brockmire. Is that right, Coach? I, I watched the first episode, the pilot, essentially. But I, no, oh, I've man. not seen you the are in. Oh, my God. You are in for such a treat. My God. Anyway. Um, I, 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 I don't want to ruin too much, but in case it will entice you to the series, uh, one of the things that Joe Buck says is, I was born in Florida. Of course, I've had a finger in my ass. And that was the answer to... Obviously, very reasonable question. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I almost fell over. I'm like, this dude, it's when it's like when you get to all he's ever done is and it's first and ten at the 45 yard line. Let's uh okay, we gotta uh looks right, like a right, jet right, sweep, right, right? right? Like that is so and then you get to say, I was born in Florida. Of course <laughs> Of course I've had a finger in my ass. <laughs> like sort of angry that anybody would even question. That's why like, Florida, people are dying to play against type. Like it's like uh, right, somebody said right. uh, the other day, like, oh, you know, I wish Tom Cruise would play more bad guys because he's always like the, the hero of everything. But on Collateral, which is some people's favorite Tom Cruise movie, like it was like, oh, he got to just be, you know, whatever. It, it, so anyway, when, oh, you, when you see these moments, and this is a, a, in, in the show Brockmire, it's definitely uh, Joe Buck getting to be completely different than you've ever seen him. Um, so Nate goes to the doorbell and, and it, he stops in shock. You get a one of like a single shot medium on Nate. We're reacting to what he's seeing. We don't see that. We pivot to subjective camera and we see that he is, it is the silhouette of a, of a still emotionless. Yes. Uh, a dark figure. Yes. Yeah, it's like, except for his, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of cap is that, boss? That's the old. Uh, stupid fucking hat. Is what <laughs> that is. It's a stupid fucking boss hat. Boss wrote a great uh, piece on uh, handsome men and dumb. Very funny. Hats. Very funny piece. 
what's the name of that hat? Those page boy? Is that what it is? Is that a page boy or is that a Yeah, page boy or um I, I will make an exception. It is similar to the uh the Kangle hat that um Samuel L. Jackson sometimes wears. I will make an exception for that hat on Samuel L. Jackson. That is the only yeah, no, time. Of course. But a page boy or like There uh, are no rules for Samuel just, L. Jackson. He can do No, he gets to wherever the fuck he wants. Um snakes on a plane. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so funny. All right. So, uh, we now, uh, see this, oh my God, it's beard. He is, uh, horrified. Nate summons the courage to approach the beard outside the, the uh, safety door. I, I, I want to just throw in a little, uh, a quick thing here for the color. We have very much orange on beard side of things. And very much the green that we had from before in that hallway area with, uh, and even in, I believe yes. the shirt, uh, that Nate is wearing as well. Yeah, sort of a light sea foam green. Yep. Whose goddamn cell phone is that? Who, who is playing one of the two good Led Zeppelin songs? Because that that's my ringtone. I have like music do not disturb opinion. on. I'm like, what? How is this like? I really don't care that it went off. I just know that it would make you absolutely nuts. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let. I've come a long way. I've come a long way. We got fucking sirens. There's been some weird sounding bosses, Mike, since we started today. This sounds like a fucking wash cycle. I don't know what it is. Oh, that's just Chicago. That is just the noise of Chicago. Airplanes or the wind or people talking. It's just right, right. It's great. I, uh, I'm sure it's great audio. I stepped on your Led Zeppelin point, though, so I apologize for that. You were going to say something. Oh, no, that's just when I want to infuriate people. I say that Led Zeppelin has two good songs. Yeah. And that Dire Maker is one of them. Uh, Don't like it. And not just you. One time I said that in front of our buddy uh, Peter, and he told me to get out of his country. Yeah. No, it's good. And, and I did eventually, but that's just because I didn't. Get out of my country. Yeah. Get out He's of my troubled, country. He's uh, a troubled lad. Uh, British. British fellow. That's the one that dove at me the first time I met him. Literally Aww. dove through the air. Flew so like in a love. fucking spider monkey at me. <laughs> I had to catch him. That's how I met him. I caught him. Um, that That is a great way of yeah, doing it. No, that's pretty good. And I think he was like, you motherfucker, as he was flying through the air. I think that was the, uh, that was the intro. Um, <laughs> it's so weird when you're on a writing staff with someone. You just don't know them until you know them. Uh, it's amazing. Anyway. Oh my God, are you here to kill me? Says Nate. Um, which is feels like his stance, his demeanor could, could be that. And, and you had the sense that Nate, uh, has mentally prepared for this moment. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he, like this is, he's like, I deserve to die. I, I didn't know it was going to be now. Like, right. That's yes. the sense and, I get. It's not like I'm going to call the police. It's like, yes, this day was going to come. And now we are here. So, so Nate knows he has to go through, he knows he's transgressed. And then he knows at some point he has to go through the spanking machine in one right. way or another. He's not going to know who the messenger, like it's, it's like uh, which archangel is coming. Like, is it Michael, the kind one? Or is it Uriel, the angel of death? Is it mm-hmm, Raphael? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, who's going to mm-hmm. come, right? It, it, you mm-hmm. know, there's a messenger coming, it's you know, coming. If, yeah. if it's Ted himself, you know that like, if that's Ted's silhouette at the door, you're okay. You're fine. Right. If it's Beard or Roy, right, you, you might 
you might yeah. not make it. Like there's going to be rope be... and red paint and God knows and <laughs> hatchets because who goes anywhere without them? They're like fucking Amex. They're like American Express cards, obviously. Right. Yes. Yeah, Could yeah. be. Imagine. I can't even imagine being in a different country than my than my uh, axis. Um, <laughs> that's like a boss line. That's like something boss. Would, that's why she likes that weirdo. Like she's like not a yes. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I've. I've dated a man who owned a sword before. That oh. I guess that's just that's a, yeah. Okay. A small one, not not big, but a small Fair one. Enough. I have a, a terrible terrible story about how what an idiot I am. I have I have several different swords because I like swords and whatever. I don't buy them; they're See? like gifted to me, or whatever. But I have one really cool thing, which is like a sword in a stone, which is a full Excalibur sword in a stone. Really. Um. And it's like fully dull. Obviously. It's just just for looks, whatever. But but you, but it's a real sword. You take it out, but it's a dulled sword. And then for my uh, my one of my birthdays, someone got me a um, like a real Damascus steel gladius, like a Roman uh, legionary sword. But it's Damascus steel and it's fully sharpened. Whoa! And it is like you you could the first thing I did if you if you know anything about any montage about swords. What's the first thing that I did? What would you do if you have a sword that's functional? I'm just curious if you just if you ran your hand over it. Oh, oh no, no, I suppose you could do that. Okay. No, 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 I didn't do that. I'm like saying like actually like did you wave it through the like, do that like crossing it in front of you kind of like. Okay, that yeah, that's a good guess. Yeah, anything else? You cut something. Yes, right away? I cut something. What do, what do you cut with a the sharpest sword on the planet? Damascus steel. A hair or paper? You know, you cut a watermelon in half. Watermelon? You know, like how you... Oh, I was going to say no, watermelon. What the fuck like is with us today? That's what you do. You, cut, you really? put it on the thing like... Right, that's what you do. So I literally put a watermelon on a post, and I ran up yeah. and I oh, right. hacked it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like no. oh, I'm in a movie, and I'm preparing for whatever. This is how you prep. And it did the exact thing that you see. Like, it went right through and didn't, like, leave a mark, and then slid down, like, the... You're like, holy wow. shit, like that's that's a yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Men should be in charge. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um mm-hmm. I had I didn't know that this sharp Damascus steel sword was had somehow made it behind the the um fake uh Excalibur sword. And one of my son uh my son had like his friends over for a play date and I I was facing the other way and he's like, Oh, is this a I didn't know the sharp sword was there. And he's like, oh, can I, mind if I hold this sword? And I was like, yeah, no, it's like, fine. It's like a, and I turn around and he's got this fucking blade. I'm like, oh my God. Like I had no idea. It was like right behind that's the thing. So anyway, um, that's a, I'm, I'm responsible is what I want. Yeah, exactly. Send your kids over. It'll be great. Yeah. Super fun. Uh, I, I'll, I got a, I got a sword wielding pamphlet for everyone. Um, all the nine year olds on play dates. Uh, Okay, so 60 pay. Are you here to kill me? Um, and then we get the speech. Okay. Coach. Yes. Why don't you start out what Beard says? He doesn't respond to, are you here to kill me? Right. He starts right into the, into the yep. speech. Which and, I and why don't you uh, just roll through it? Roll through the whole speech, mm-hmm. and then, we'll, and then we, what mm-hmm. we'll do is we'll comment on it afterwards. Okay. Ted and I met playing college football. He was the backup punter. I was the backup kicker. We never got in a game, but we spent a lot of time together, jogging and doing box jumps. 
after school, we went our separate ways. And he was dating Michelle, got into coaching, and I got into prison. When I got paroled, I had no money. Family didn't want me. I had nowhere to go. So I looked up Ted. He took me in, fed me, let me crash on his couch. And in return, I stole his car. Now, I didn't get far. And I would have gone straight back to prison if Ted didn't come down there and convince those cops that he gave me the car. Just like in Les Mis. Our story is very similar to Les Mis, yes. <laughs> uh, you went to prison? Yes, for stealing a loaf of meth. And then I stole from my friend who forgave me and gave me a job and a life. So to honor that, I forgive you. I offer you a job and the life part's up to you. Okay. I, I, you read that with a lot of gravitas, coach. I really appreciate that. You take this, take this really seriously. Um, <laughs> if it was, if it was a uh, boss reading that, it would have been like a fucking Benny Hill episode. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, for stealing a loaf of meth. Okay. Just like Les Mis, Boss scowls at just like Les Mis, but that's generally the Jean Valjean kind of moment with the priest. Um, no, I gave him these candles, so, silver candlesticks. Yeah, just to make sure that all of the listeners are on the same page, we're talking about uh, Les Mis, the musical, the, the English version of the musical. We're not talking about the original book. Um, and to make sure, just in case there are people unfamiliar with uh, uh, English language musical theater. Uh, Valjean, it, this is set in France in between the French Revolution and before Napoleon. So not great times for France. Bad, bad economy, bad times. Uh, Valjean steals a loaf of bread to feed his sister's starving children, is sentenced to five years in prison, and then ends up serving 19 full years because he keeps trying to run away. Yes. So a couple of the differences. Number one, when he gets out of prison, it is true that he can't find work or a place to stay, but the person that takes him in is a kindly bishop who he has never met before. Uh, he stays the night. He notices something. Uh, there's a line about how the uh, fork that he's holding is uh, worth twice as much as he made his entire time in prison. So 20 years and the fork is worth twice mm. of this. Uh, there's also a line where the bishop says, we don't have very much, but you could come share with what we have. And, and then, of course, uh, in the middle of the night, Valjean steals as much silverware as he can, runs away. The cops find him prowling outside of the uh, church and bring him back in to confront, have him confront the bishop. Uh, they say, this guy told us that he was staying here. And you gave him all this silverware and told him he could leave. And the bishop's like, oh, yeah, no, 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 that I did. I did do that. That's right. I did that. And then also says, but you left so early, you forgot these and hands him these two giant candlesticks. Right. Is like, take these also. And then the most important part for me is that after the bishop sends the cops away, he talks to Valjean. And the last line that he says to Valjean in the entire play is... I have bought your soul for God, which is extremely different from saying, I gave you this redemption. So now come be my assistant coach and best friend for the next 20 years and follow me to Europe. 
Like it feels like there is a fundamental difference between the example and what we are given in this relationship. And that strikes me as tainting the relationship that we have seen Beard and Ted have. It puts them in a oh. in, in an imbalance that I don't like at all. Oh wow. And it makes me feel yeah. Yeah. So oh, like, like he uh, bought I know, Beard. Not just that he bought him, but that they're by getting something out of this, it changes the understanding of what the bishop was trying to do for Valjean. What he was, he, he says, like, yeah, I, I saved you, but like, I bought you for God. So you go take it up with him. Like, it has nothing to do with me. And Ted's thing is, you and I are going to hang out forever now. I, I think that in a in a worse world, this would be Ted almost manipulating everyone around him by saying, I'm always going to forgive you. You can always do whatever you want as a way of Ted making sure that nobody leaves him because he has been the person that will always be there for you. I, I, I get that take on, I am like, I'm tracking your logic. I am tracking your logic. Yes. I can't go as far as to say, I agree. Oh my God. So, no, 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 no. Took- 69 episodes, 74 episodes for you to disagree with Voss once, you coward. I I mean, I'm not, I, I, this is not about, I I absolutely understand that. that, Let's keep our eyes on the prize here and stop pointing out facts about how afraid I I am of boss. Well, yes, I am very scared. I'm very intimidated. I have uh, strong eyebrows as Gretchen Heller would say. Um, I feel like I don't actually have terrible eyebrows, but um, <laughs> so I, I understand that that is not what the show is going for, mm-hmm. nor is it no a necessarily an accurate uh, interpretation of their relationship. Was, what I'm mm-hmm. saying is that it does introduce the possibility that this is what Ted does, that Ted mm-hmm. just routinely forgives. He martyrs himself in order to not lose the people around him. And that's because he still hasn't dealt with the maladaptive coping mechanisms from his dad dying by suicide. So now his thing is just, who's getting hurt? I'm going to keep you forever. Yeah, maybe, but who's getting hurt in that? Like, I mean, I, I don't think that's actually what happened. I, I would say, I just think Ted's a good man. And, and, uh, I, I don't, I, it didn't I, seem to me like he's like, Oh, I've manipulated you into being my friend now. I think he's just like, Hey man, I'll give you like, let's start out from square one and, and see how it works out. And, I'll give you the jobs. So you'll have like some stability and then whatever, you know, you, the life parts up to you and, and we can work it out. But they clearly got along. They were backup kicker and punter. Um, it's impossible to not get along when you, when you're backup kickers. And I love the idea like of the two of them. Yeah. That's how they met. Never but, even got on the field. That part cracks me up. Like not even into one. Yeah, never once, not one <laughs> kick. But so a story came to mind this morning because I was thinking about this scene and sort of the, the backstory and, and, and honestly your reaction to it. And I was, you know, just sort of like processing that. And I thought of a story guy who was actually my best man. And I'm, it's been years now. So I truly may have told the story before. So I apologize, but um, he, he was my best man, but it was when we were all in college and we used to go play basketball up at the uh, at Payne Whitney gym, and and uh, I was hoping this was going to be the story about um, your friend who outed himself as gay because he could not stand 
oh. the one one to the jumper that your other friend. That is such a goddamn beautiful. I, I'm sure we've heard this story before because we've talked for most of our lives on this right, podcast. Right. But yeah. all right, sorry, coach. Didn't mean to interrupt. I love no, no, that. No. I've never heard anything like that. A guy outing himself as gay. It was so nuts. It was there's insanity. such an infraction. Yeah. In, in fashion that he couldn't live with that, it. He's like, and he's like, and I have the authority to speak on it. Unbelievable. Anyway, <laughs> that was just so insane. But anyway, so, um, oh, so we're up playing basketball and this is to give it some context for those who might know about this. This is like early nineties. So even NBA basketball was like, you know, guys just getting knocked down, like whatever. It's not, it, it didn't look a lot like what basketball looks like now. So anyway, we're playing and it gets rough and tumble. Guys get get an argument, and this other guy, who was also a friend of ours, but not as close to either of us as we were to each other, was on the other team. And whatever got said, he pushed me. And before I could do anything, like before I literally could react, my friend, who my best man, goes flies past me. He's like a blur, and he has him pinned against the wall with his like forearm on his throat. And I have to come up and tap him on his shoulder. And I'm like, it's all right, man. Let him go. It's all right. It's all right. Let him go. Let him go. Like, 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 it was that ferocious. And I think Beard became that for Ted. And I think part of why Ted does the whole production with him is it's okay. Let him go. I know you're my, I know yeah. you're my ah. protector. Yeah, I got it. Yes, ah, and I know good, that's you, a good take. I, I, and I, I thought about it a lot, and I really do think that's at least I'll say this. I, at least I think that's the dynamic they were trying to communicate. I'm not negating what you took from yes. the story. Yep, but that, I, like he, I think if Nate had, there'd be less chance that he's going to kill Nate if Nate had sold him out. If the story had been about yes, yes. Beard's crazy girlfriend, right? It would have been wrong. Yep. But the fact that you did Ted wrong, now I got to cut you, is kind of the vibe. Right yes. There. So, anyway. No, I, I actually, number one, love love that your best man did that. I play that role for some people in my life. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, I absolutely awesome. understand. I think you're completely correct. I think that Beard was hurt. I think that, like, Beard and Nate haven't, not been friends mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. got along like they they both went to ted and said we got a, a bench roy right and back in the first season like That's they right. had a relationship um so, but i think that he is most upset about ted being betrayed yeah. um so i i don't not see that and not read that mm-hmm. i think the issue for me at castleton you said that you don't think that ted is ever like oh well, and then i'm going to manipulate him and then he's never going to leave i don't think he's doing that either yeah. I don't think that it's ever a conscious right. thing. I think in the same way that abusers abuse because they have maladaptive mm-hmm. coping mechanisms and they're trying to get to a place mm-hmm. where they feel good. Mm-hmm. Ted is terrified that somebody is going to leave him. Mm-hmm. And so what he does is I will take any level of treatment from mm-hmm. you. I will forgive anything you want to do to me as you long stay. as you promise not to leave. As long as you stay. And that is like, regardless of, the nobility in intention, that is a dysfunctional relationship. Totally, totally. Because you need to have some. Yeah. And you no, said no. like. No, no, of course. And you said, you know, how does, how does it hurt? What's the harm from it? Well, I don't know. Beard has been saying 
you know, it, you, a relationship shouldn't last longer than it takes to cook a steak. Mm. Is that because Beard can't find somebody mm. who will, you know, keep his interest for that long? Or is this because his primary relationship in his life is to Ted and he can't make a commitment to anybody besides Ted because he's never allowed to leave? Not because Ted said that he couldn't, but because the underlying nature of their relationship is that Beard doesn't leave and Ted always forgives. All right. I just want to highlight that coach gives me a very hard time about agreeing with boss. <laughs> but then boss says shit like that. And I go, what do you fucking want from me? What am I supposed yeah. to do? What am she I supposed is, to do? Pretend that wasn't shit. goddamn brilliant. Is that what I'm supposed to do on this fucking podcast right now? Because that was what I love I about a- what you said. It, and as you were saying it, it felt, I felt a little bit disrobed myself because <laughs> I was no, gonna, no, no, that's no. what I was saying. I that's what I was getting that. at. Yeah, go, 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 go. Sorry, I knocked over. No, no, no. Go, I was go. agreeing. That's why I was uh, vehement or, or, or agreeing with, like, of course. Yeah, for sure. Because Boss is on a podcast with two people who have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep the family together. Yeah. What do you that's mean? It. Where are you going? Got to yeah. keep the family together. Got to keep the family. Like, that is like you so, just. So Boss is yeah. cleaning our clocks personally. And we're, we're just, we're process- We're doing the math while Boss is talking. Yeah, you have these two idiots, like <laughs> lit- literally doing the math. Like, wait, that sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's it. not healthy. It, okay, and got it. It no, it's not. It, I mean, it doesn't need to be as unhealthy as some relationships could be, but it does feel like the, you need to be able to ask people closest to you to treat you in a specific way. Yeah, and and not to accept that you are always going to have to forgive all of their bullshit. Like if you can get there, you can, but Mm -hmm. this idea that you can treat me however you want and I'm always going to forgive you. I think people have the impression that it is a very kind, like I'll give you the shirt off my back is great until you freeze to death because you gave Mm -hmm. all your fucking clothes away. Like it, there is a point where it becomes self-destructive and bad. No chocolate left for you, buddy. no chocolate left for you. That's it. That's you exactly right. You gave away all your yeah, yeah. chocolate. Absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely right. Yep. For those who for those who and, have not uh, did were, were yeah. did didn't listen to that particular hour of this uh, million hour uh, journey with us, uh, Coach tells a great story, and you can tell it yourself if you want, Coach. Of uh, but that he got a, a bar of chocolate that I'll let, I'll let you I'll let you tell it real quick yeah no, no it was like my first Christmas that I remember I got a huge bar one of those giant bars of chocolate with a huge, you know lots of people there and I, I opened it up and it's the kind with like little you know court in you know, little pieces like Hershey whatever it's all segmented mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I just like immediately like open it up and without even thinking broke it into little pieces all the little individual pieces mm-hmm. and walked around and gave everybody a piece and uh, the last one I gave was to my mom and then realized after everybody had popped into their mouth that I didn't, I didn't get one. So that was what the coach was uh, referencing. And I learned, I learned my lesson at that point. Um, <laughs> oh wait, no, I didn't. Uh, no, wait, no, 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 still, no, no, you didn't. You didn't yeah, actually, no, that would be a better story. Wouldn't it? If I was yeah. intelligent enough and, to have overcome that. Um, well, it, so what I actually want to say is that, it, you know, one of the things about it, having any sort of therapy or treatment or whatever else is, it isn't a problem until it's a problem. I am not saying that this is inherently a bad relationship or something that Beard shouldn't be doing or something that Ted shouldn't be doing. 
What I'm saying is that if it is a problem, it does need to be dealt with. So if you can like sort of manage things in your life so that everyone around you knows that you are too much of a giver and that they need to say like, hey, fucking keep some chocolate for yourself. Like if you have people that could call you on that, mm. if you could manage it, if it's not a problem, it doesn't need to be solved like a problem, but it does need to be acknowledged as an issue. But maybe it was recognized at the very least as a potential problem. Keely, when we're all having a great time yucking it up about how insane Jane is, says that Jane followed her home to ask if Beard is sleeping with Ted. That's what that's yep. what I thought when Boss that's was saying the, that. I was like, that, yeah, she she is re, she is aware of who the the big dog is. Right? Like, She's like yeah. his He's is, the other his woman. heart belongs his yes. heart belongs to Ted. That's what she's saying yes. on some level, right? And so we're like, oh, ha, yeah. ha, ha, Jane's so goddamn crazy. Maybe she's crazy, maybe she ain't. But, but maybe she's also insightful. Sometimes being a little bit crazy, you see yeah. shit other people don't see. Yeah. And I think it's telling, actually, that the writers included that line in the show. I don't know if they knew that this was coming or if they just understood right, right. Beard's dedication to Ted. It, So the way that I had read the relationship before learning about this was um, I have mentioned on uh, that community is one of my favorite shows before uh, Troy and Abed, two friends who absolutely love each other. Abed is a little bit weird, sort of a, a weirdo loner and Troy loves the shit out of him. And in one of the later season, there's a line where Troy says to somebody else, uh, you don't understand. Nobody gets Abed. I got him a little and there is something to like, it makes me so happy and also want to cry that that is the line that it was, I got him a little bit, like just understanding a tiny bit of his weirdness. And because of that, we love each other unconditionally forever. Like, so I had sort of read their relationship as Ted and beard, both being a little bit weird and seeing something in each other that connected them so much that they decided to be best friends. But having it this way sort of feels like it's less best friends and partners and more like fucking uh, it, Don Quixote and his companion. Like this doesn't feel as much of a hmm. an equal partnership. It feels like hmm. Beard is going to be a sidekick forever. Yeah. I, and I don't care for that. I, I, I yeah, I, 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 I got you. It, I mean, I get, I get like, I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. Like it's not, again, not how I experienced it. But as yes. you're walking me through and, it, I'm like, yep, yep. Like I'm, I, I'm tracking with you. What you're saying. I think too. Sorry, go ahead, Ann. Sorry. No, 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 no. I was just gonna say, go I think it. too that, <clears throat> that he has nowhere to go. I keep thinking of an officer and a gentleman, and and him screaming, "I got nowhere yeah. to go," which yeah. is not at all the same yeah. dynamic, but that just keeps popping into my head. But he, it's not. I think part of why I didn't have the same, like, and now you shall be my, you know, my trusty companion come along Mm -hmm. is like, come along from where? Like he was crashing on his couch before this dynamic started. Right. So like he only has a job because Ted gave him one. Um, So I I think there's some of it that's also Beard having found a home because he's always got a home wherever Ted is. Yes. I mean, what I should say is, number one, I understand that this, my interpretation is not what the show intended, Mm -hmm. nor would it necessarily be what most people see this as. I think a lot of people would see this as, Ted is such a good guy. 
he is willing to give you a second chance, even when you fuck him over. Right, right. Um, and I'm not saying that beer. I vote for that. Something yes, I vote for that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying that it it adds a weird wrinkle to me about what it means, it, how it reframed their relationship in a way that I didn't like it as much as I did before. If I did not have this information, I would feel better about the relationship. And when when we're done with this, I'm probably going to put this scene down the memory hole and pretend that it didn't that, exist this, this, and just go back to it, feeling how I right, did about right, the relationship. Right, right, right. That's good. It just yeah. was over there. It, no, I got you. I also do want to mention um, it doesn't make a goddamn lick of fucking sense that Beard was in prison for stealing a brick of meth because he was a meth addict. And these are all things that either Brendan Hunt and his Ask Me Anything or the show have explicitly made clear. Wait, it say, doesn't say, make wait, any say, sense. say, so why, t- walk me through, because I, I think part of that, that part of the story, I kind of like glossed, like really, like I'm not yes. just saying that, I was like, I really didn't think about it one way or the other. So why are you saying it doesn't, that part does not make sense? Like, wh- okay, where's, so where's the one, actual hold you're pointing to? Yeah. There, let, let's get started. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yes. my God. Let's get started. No, and Let's now we begin. Exactly. This is like, the, now, this is like Morph- and, Morpheus, like getting into the. She's into the so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so now me. we're on to part two. Um, no, so first of all, uh, there was a theory early on that Beard was somehow a figment of Ted's imagination. And they had to dispel that real quick. Be like, no, people are talking to Beard. Like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that would be true if he had stolen a brick of meth and then went to prison in the state where he stole that brick of meth, he would have been killed in prison and would not have made it out. Like, you don't steal bricks of meth from people who have oh, bricks of meth. Oh, and get away with it. And I not see get shivved in prison. I see. He would be dead. Okay. He would be 100% dead. Okay. That's number one. Okay. Number two, I don't understand the timeline because after college was when Beard apparently got more engrossed in his addiction. Ted started dating Michelle, got into coaching. How long was Beard in prison? It was active in his addiction, going through the court systems, going to prison and getting out that he would get out and be like, oh, well, that guy from college seven, eight years ago, like, that, that's going to be a long time. It doesn't feel reasonable to me that Ted would have been the person that he thought about going to. He, even if they liked each other in college, oh. you're going to look up somebody that you had sort of a friendship it's a first, with. It's a first offense. He wasn't, in, he wasn't in for seven years in San Quentin. He well, would I, I have mean, been if he had been convicted in Kansas under the three strikes rule after uh, 1993, because I looked this shit up because there is shit. Google and you could look this shit up. All right, but, okay. And for that amount I, of meth, his first offense, he would have gone to I'm not, yes. We have a psycho in our fantasy football league that once looked up Ohio oh labor God. law oh my with God. regard to yeah. like a player getting back onto the Cleveland Browns. Oh and God. that's what this sounds like. And and so yeah. and you did. You looked up yes. the three strikes rule, which was which would have not been not just the three strikes, but the mandatory that'd be about, sentence. That'd be about right. I mean, if they're about our yeah. age then or our age coach. Oh, okay. Yeah. But let me, but can I toss this into the mix around the like, he, why Absolutely. would he look up Ted? I, I hear what you're saying, but even in the telling of this story, I would push back that he couldn't go to his family. He could, like, he, yeah. like, he, he burned all the bridges. 
it sounds like. My guess is, you know, this this brick of meth wasn't the first yeah. thing he'd stolen. And somebody, you know, saw him on a doorstep and said, unless you've got my goddamn Absolutely clarinet, mm-hmm. you can go fuck yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And then yes, he's like, so I, think, so I think like probably like, I guess in my hearing of the story, it was like, there are five ex-girlfriends who were like, get the fuck out of here. His mom was like, you ain't staying here. Like, right. right. And then so he he's made it down his list to like, well, that guy was cool. We used to joke around. I, like that was kind of where I thought it was not like, hey, I just got out of prison. And I should uh, look up my old buddy, Ted. It, it, no, and I do understand that. I think that this is, again, stretching the bounds of reality only in that I was done with college, not finished, but done with college in like 2004, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even with Facebook in 2009, there were people that I'd known that I liked a lot that I would have considered a friend in college mm-hmm, and somebody mm-hmm. that I could rely on that I was not able to find five years later. I like, got you. It, it, and so I'm not I, I, like, this is uh, a constructed plot. I understand that we are saying he was able to find Ted and that that worked. I'm just saying that the timing, it, like even working your way through the court system, it, you're not going to do that in six months. Like this would have been time. And given that it would have been time, the other thing that sort of stood out to me is who called the cops? Because somebody had to call the police to report the car stolen. Michelle. Oh, yeah, you're right. Was Michelle? No, no, no. I I don't think Michelle. I think he probably just like, you know, ran a red light or something stupid or something. Yeah, yeah. I I thought he like got himself. Well, if he had done that, then he would have been arrested for what driving on a suspended license. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, what was going on? Either he had fucked up while driving the car, which means. That's an automatic uh, parole violation and you go back to jail and this story doesn't happen regardless of whether or not Ted rolls down the police station and says everything's fine. Or Michelle called the cops and said somebody stole the car and then Ted decided, no, 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 I'm going to go get my buddy Beard who just showed up on our doorstep out of nowhere out of prison again after he stole my car. Like, At which point I get a little squicked out with Ted again, making other people responsible for handling some of his forgiveness of a person. Like, were Michelle and Ted living together at the time? You're giving me a funny look. Listen, I I assume they were the way he described the Michelle thing and Ted and whatever. But I don't. I'm not sure that said explicitly, so maybe not. I don't. But I I hear you. It's not. For, for the first time in the history of this podcast, I think I'm going to concede that we as a group, meaning you, have done more research about this particular scene than the writers did. I, oh, I don't think, they, I just think they blasted it out and didn't do any you know, research on mandatory minimums no. for first time offenders. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Not. And I, in, in, in fairness, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use that as like a, a, a critique of them. Like I'm, I, I may have because no. I'm a little bit insane, but I probably would not have looked that up. I'd have been like, yeah, hey, you went to jail and came back out. That's it. Moving on. Sorry. Go ahead, There's a thing that happens when, um, when you become a professional writer uh, for like TV, film, whatever. 
you, you start and you say, I want to make shows that are real. I want to make shows that are like honest and how it really happens. And I'm going to like do all the due diligence. And then you get in there and then you realize, then you see your contract. Uh, it took you so long to get an agent. You see your contract. It's based on like delivery of certain drafts and things like that. And you're like, okay, I can either work on this draft or I can like sort of like figure out labor law. And then you're like, uh, and, and then you let's say you actually do write the version of it that's correct. Um, and then you go and there's a bunch of suits uh, and they give you notes and they say, I don't give a shit. Uh, nobody gives a shit. Thank you. Um, then you learn the term shoe leather, which is uh, a, a industry term for uh, wasted yeah. shit. Nobody wants to see. Nobody cares. Which is why that. you say like, we're not going to open this scene with him walking in the door walking into the kitchen, putting his keys on the counter. Like, we don't need any of this shit. The only thing we need is him opening the mail. So you cut right to that, and you get rid of the shoe leather. So I'm not saying that you're wrong, boss. Uh, in fact, I'm sure you're right, because the amount of detail that you've gone into is mm-hmm. is uh, is reminiscent of how you do everything, which is why sometimes those of you who follow boss on social media, she'll be like, hey, fuck this this guy or something or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to know anymore. I know she's just read everything about this. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's done her homework and yeah. Yeah. Fuck this guy. I'm I'm good with that. I I will put my trust in that. Yeah. So, and I understand that there is the, the reality of the story. If that was actually something that had happened to a person would need to be truncated and changed and adapted in order to make it into a story. You would not show us Beard doing this over however many years it took for him to, uh, you know, get into his addiction and recover and everything else. I Like that part I do get. It's just that in those cases, when you want to make this an impactful scene, an emotional scene, I, uh, when you have those kind of errors, it takes me out of it. And I don't want to say errors, but just like they wanted to show us Ted was an amazing right. guy. Beard had a dark past. Yes. Ted was okay with that. They are, this is why he's going to forgive Nate. I understand. You wanted the, the you wanted the, the bullet scene. points, the bullet points to line up with what felt didn't take you outside the suspension of disbelief. Well, I'm going to level with you. I had to ask somebody. So when they wrote this scene, do you think that, the writers understood that they were telling us that Beard probably did suck dick for meth. Like probably that's a thing that did happen. And that, by the way, I am not here to denigrate sex workers, nor am I here to denigrate anybody who is struggling with drug addiction. One dick. You suck one dick. <laughs> all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that he told us that Beard was suffering with the meth addiction and that Beard has done sex work previously. And when you have somebody that does both of those things, the chances of them lining up are pretty high. For what it's worth, uh, to be totally honest with you, now that you mention that, I think I've always felt like Beard was very flexible sexually. Yeah. And I've always sort of assumed he's probably been in orgies. He's probably tried sure. a lot of shit. Um, yeah. And, um, so, you know, so it doesn't, doesn't bother me a bit. Um I'm, I am not saying that it bothers me a bit either. I think that that is actually something about, it, number one, sex work is work, should be protected, regulated, and uh, legalized, all those things. Same thing for drug use. Drug use uh, should be legal, and drug abuse should be treated as the illness that it is. 
I am not looking down on Beard at all. I need to know that the writers put all this together and were like, hey, remember back in season one when we said that he's been paid to bite somebody's butt so hard that he leaves mm. teeth marks? Now that right. we're talking about his drug addiction, what are the implications for his character here? I'm not looking down on his character. I don't think that he did anything morally questionable at all. He was doing what he needed to do, and I'm not going to judge him for that. But it is a reasonable conclusion, and I need to know that the writers took that into consideration when they wrote the scene. No, they didn't. I'll just speak for them. They didn't. No, I'll speak for them and say, uh, no, they didn't. And then thank you for the detailed analysis and for the, um, I'm happy that I've now visited your world. May I yes. please never have to come back to it? <laughs> I'd like to go back to my world. Let me finish up with points three through eight, oh and then God. yes, we can move God on. Damn it. No, okay, no, actually, that 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 is the extent of it. Now, one of the things because um, either you guys are good uh, influences on me, which I hate <laughs> oh, to even mutter did out you loud. Hear that? Coach, she just said good with a sigh. Yeah, yeah. Like as if as if she like, was like defeated yeah, yeah. at yeah. the prospect. Yeah. yeah. Oh my I'm so God. soft now. Oh. I'm so you soft. You are. That's that's um, what comes across for sure. Yeah. It, it, what I am oh, believe me. Uh what I am either it's you guys or it's the microdosing that I mentioned before. But one well, or the it's other. Probably mostly the adrenaline sh- and the and the uh and the, the painkillers. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. It's probably probably that. Yeah, I can still walk upstairs though. Do not worry about that. Um, but it, what I am choosing to believe, much in the same way that I think every time that we've seen Ted take a step towards becoming healthier, whether that is having a conversation with Michelle about their co-parenting or an upcoming scene that we're going to see between him and Dottie, I am choosing to think of those as the start of the process rather than. The completion of it. This is us seeing Ted changing the way that he is. I am choosing to believe this is a story Beard made up to encapsulate how he feels about his relationship with Ted rather than what actually happened. I am choosing to believe that Beard is actively lying to Nate. And that makes me understand both the point of the story and the show better. I, I love it. I love it. I love how you think. Um, that's good. If it, listen, if it works for you, then it's a win-win all around boss. Um, I, I, okay. I've been, I've been, I wanted to make sure we, we have, I'm a completionist. So I wanted to make sure that we got everything about this. So then I can sum it up in a very, um, tepid, lukewarm, uh, way, which is, uh, I really enjoyed the the moment i enjoyed nate being scared i enjoyed the um the story in lieu of a response uh, you know like that he sort of set it up this way um and then we get this moment where he says i offer you a job and the life part's up to you and nate is just like blown away blown way better than he ever could have dreamed he is so unworthy of this level of kindness and he knows it and he's got 60 pages to show it. Uh, see, he's got 60 pages to broach the subject of possibly, maybe, not being fucking murdered if he, if he approaches the Richmond facility. And instead, the angel of death 
shows up and offers him a job and says, the life part's up to you. Says, you sure you don't want to headbutt me? Where did this, God, this feels like, oh, God, I know I'm having a deja vu moment, um, which which is like a glitch in the Matrix. Um, yeah. But uh, somewhere where it's like, oh, I'd feel better, literally feel better if you hit me or slapped me or something. I don't know what that's, what was it from? Wasn't wasn't it from Roy saying it or something? <sighs> yeah, wasn't that when they showed the team the tape? And then uh, it, it's not Bloody Sunday, but whatever uh, that game yeah, was, yeah, the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- after that, I think the either Beard or Roy said, like, yell at us, hit yes, us or something. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes. Yes. It was after that, right? After they show the tape, they're waiting for it. They seriously, like, they want to be yelled at. Exactly the same way. It feels like it's not enough. You haven't earned the right back. And so Nate says the same thing. It's great. That's exactly the callback I was looking for. Thank you, boss. You sure you want to headbutt me? I think it might it might make us feel better. It's notice he doesn't say. I know it would make me feel better. I'm the I'm the perpetrator. I can only imagine how much you need to headbutt, right? Like it's like it's not even. I can't even fathom how much you. Well, he specifically to told him. He's already told him. I'll I'll headbutt you, Nate. Like he was ready to go. He's he's yes. wanted to headbutt him for months. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That right. was so. Yeah. There's meant no, it too. There, yeah. There's no. Happy. There's no. There's no secret. He would. He would have reveled in headbutting him at one point. Yep. I mean, this is the guy that came in and like warned him. Roy didn't do this. This beard was like, it was weird what you did with Colin. It was fucking weird. Yeah. Like, be better. Yeah. Uh, I think in the in the eternal words of um, Melania Trump, be best. I think. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. My kids still say it all. Literally, it's the, it's, it's the, it is the lingering, Jesus uh, like, refuse of that administration is my children say, be best to each other as a punchline. <laughs> I mean, and that's all it ever was. Um, so, oh, God, so many things. So many things. I will, I will not force this to go to an 11th episode, I promise. So, I... I feel like that sense of like, don't you, it'll headbutt me. It'll make us feel better. There's, there's something. And I, and I thought about it cause I thought about um, Roy headbutting Jamie so that they could finally celebrate together. Yes. Remember yes. that when Roy, yes. you know what I'm saying? I have Roy, to do that he so, I, that so, so that we do could this. do this and then they celebrate. Right. right? Yeah, and yep. and the scene and the examples oh, and, and yeah. there's something, and maybe it just takes a different form with it, it, you know traditionally in women's relationships. You know, I don't mean every woman on earth, but or every man on earth. But th- there's something about you fucked up, and there should be physical violence in your learning the lesson about whatever you did. And I am not saying that I am devoid of that logic. I think there's a whole lot of it in here, but I don't know that I've ever been as like clearly aware of like the number of times I said, I'm going to not deal with that or I'm not going to say anything, but he deserved an ass whooping for that in my life. I should have, I should have punched him in the face right there. Like the number of times that has been my reaction, even if I was going to do nothing of the sort, where in my mind it was like, right there when that person did or said that thing, that's when they should have gotten their ass kicked. And then we could have all proceeded from there, or that would be the just thing. 
And why do like I do have to ask myself like <laughs> there have to be other ways. That's yeah, that's troubling actually. As a and, I, and I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, think about how many times and this is just a, a, a sample group of three, right, right? Right, and then and then everybody listening, right? So, mm-hmm. how many times have you met someone where you're like, this person like never got the ass kicking that they needed? They needed, right? They but need, what is this that? person needed to get their ass kicked to understand? And and unfortunately, I don't think that's a good instinct. Actually, I'm like really. I would say, like, I will, I will come in hot on being completely against that as a concept. Right. I, I think it's somehow woven into our genetic uh, code or our, our probably our generational trauma. Yeah, that, like the physicality is a way. You, I remember my dad saying once upon a time, like, and he was right about that. Or God, I say right in quotes, but like. Remember, he was like, don't touch the burner on the stove or whatever. Right. You'll burn yourself. And then he told the kids once, this is my older siblings. Right. And then he let my oldest brother like literally touch, burn his, he didn't say go touch it. But once, you know, right. my brother went and did it. And my dad was like, all right, he's going to fucking learn. And and he never did it again. And But it took a burnt hand. Right. To, right. But, and, and I go, why is it that is it, maybe it's just that human beings are so obtuse right. that in order to have that sort of coding mm-hmm. in, into your process uh you, you know you need some sort of wake-up call of that variety but hopefully we can as we grow and as we expand and as we become more evolved we can um we can tie consequences of a different kind into growth and, and hopefully it's not yeah but, but it's so it's so i know what you're saying coach because it feels very um familiar to me i feel like yeah of course like yeah somebody and, needs and- to and Get think, ass kicked. Yeah, it's weird. And think about Roy and um, Rupert, actually. In both cases, like a, a central story we learn about them, about why they are, how they are, are the time they got their ass kicked. Both cases. Yeah. Like that's that's specific. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't like I don't know what yeah. all to do with that, but that's specific. And it's funny because I'll say when um Beard, one thing about this telling of this story, and it was a weird thing for it to remind me of, but when Beard tossed um, James Sr. out of the locker room, I remember thinking, well, he must have been a bouncer or something because he knew exactly how to do that. He wasn't grappling with him. He knew how to grab Mm -hmm. him, and he knew how to make his head hit that door. Like, he he did that on purpose. So. But you know what I'm saying? Like he's been. Like, it's, it's, I was like, he he's, been, he's been. He, he's been somewhere <laughs> learning some shit like that. He, know, he knows how to handle himself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Being, so, yeah. It, well, so I don't like the violent, the violence aspect of mm-hmm. this. Like it, it, the infliction of violence, I don't care for. Mm-hmm. But I'm always, all extremely careful to make sure that uh, we don't. Continue the idea that your mind slash soul slash whatever else is somehow different from your body, that the the mental is superior to the physical. Mm. So I think that there are some times where you physically need to experience something in order to understand it, whether that is getting your ass kicked because you talked too much shit at a person you shouldn't talk shit to. I don't care for it. I don't like that that's an aspect. I do think that the touching the hot stove, like if that's, if you're going to keep trying to do it until you touch it, 
I'm going to have to let you touch it because otherwise you're not going to learn. And I need you to learn. Like I need to protect you in the future from that. So I'm going to let you learn now. I think the flip side of that, I just um, rewatched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which Copaganda aside, still a pretty solid show. There's an amazing episode. show, not just solid. Like really I good. fucking really love good. Peanut. Like it's still really yeah, oh funny. My god. Brilliantly oh my god. funny. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, really really funny. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Yes, one of the best so comedies the, of all time. Yes. Yeah. Like really great. And um uh, Andre Brower is uh Lieutenant Holt, one of oh the god. fucking best yeah. ever. Yep, yep, absolutely. There is inspired. an episode where he and his husband Kevin are like mad at each other. They're fighting, they are having trouble getting along. And Amy Santiago is trying to coach the captain through all of these conflict revolution issue, resolution issues. And this is how you talk to him. And you just need to sit down and go through this. And Rosa Diaz says, you guys need to have sex. And by the end of the episode, Amy's like, oh, my God, did you guys talk? And he goes, nope. And Rosa's like, so did you? And he goes, yep. <laughs> and, like, their relationship is repaired because the, ignoring the physical and only focusing on mental is not going to work for you all the time because we are still physical beings. I don't think you should kick anybody's ass, but you also need to understand that sometimes you might get your ass kicked. Uh, listen, there, there's I, this is a entire podcast. Like, like no, I don't mean just an episode. You could. Mm -hmm. This is this mm -hmm. is the the first. This is. Mm -hmm. I would I would uh, posit a theory that this is why. Uh, Whatever this this sort of broken uh, thread here is, or or the lingering need for that type of correction, I mean, it's it's the basis of Fight Club. It is where you get people complaining about how what happened to entire generations of, I'll say, American men, but I know it happens in other countries as well, who who didn't get their quote unquote world war and therefore didn't have their defining generational moment and. And so all of these different things, I think, are this is such a complex issue. Um, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, it's it's so programmed. Sometimes you go, sometimes you'll see a, a certain member of a, a political party, an oppositional political party, and you go, "There's nothing in this world I crave more than that fucking dude getting his ass beat, like just beat, like old school. You need to learn." Because you clearly, no one has ever, ever, ever corrected you in that way, and, and so. But but again, I don't I don't think it's a good thing. I think it's a really bad thing, and, and I think we're all coming coming in uh, on that side of the issue that like violence is not the answer, but how? But it is weirdly but, sort of familiar. I guess I would, and this would take us down too far down that road. I think there's other stuff for us to talk about here. But you, you use a phrase that I find myself pushing back on in conversation with people when they say um, violence never solves anything. And I'm always like, that's uh, just factually incorrect. That's just not fucking true. Like, I, I get that we may not yeah. like it. I get that there may have been another way. I get whatever. But the, the, the fundamental point that violence never solves anything, I'm like, it fucking solved world war two like it like yeah like sometimes yeah, a little a little bit you know so anyway i but i am with you that i am not comfortable with the fact that my instinct when i see certain political figures is i really don't care about anything else i would give anything i have or would ever have or will ever have 
for two minutes in a room with no windows and a party. Like, I, I would just give it all. It, yeah, I, I think... I uh, oddly was just thinking about World War II this morning. Maybe this is the... Uh, how often do men think about the Roman Empire? Right, 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 right. Uh, but... All the time. I don't understand that. Um, what I mostly think is... It would be best if we were able to address and resolve the issues that lead to Nazism before you become Nazis. Mm. Like the way to reduce the violence in that is that you don't mistreat people so badly and don't deprive them of their basic human needs to the point where they uh, become giant assholes who want to kill other people. But once they're Nazis, you got to punch them in the face. Like there's not, well, that be, you then don't that have becomes any other the language, right? That becomes, I mean, if you right. read Animal Farm, you just go, okay, right. like this is the, the, unfortunately, again, like I say, this is, this is the generational programming. Yeah, this yes. is the uh, sad thing. And, and this is what, you know, whatever we talk about sometimes, this, this comes across all, I can't tell you how many times I've explained to people, like, um, especially in politics, like, no, no, no. Uh, this person or this group does not understand your highfalutin concepts like the rule of law. All they understand is you cannot put your hand in the cookie jar. And if you do, I'm going to kick you in the throat. And if they get kicked in the throat, they stop putting their hand in the cookie jar until they decide to do it again. And then the specter of possibly being kicked in the throat will mean something to them. But it's like, it's like might is right with certain people. And that, and that's it. That is it. I mean, that is it. And and it, it happens uh, all across the world, and so uh, you can just keep it. it happens so often that I can almost like connect it to almost everything. Sadly, uh, like everything, everything in the human experience has some shade of this terrible uh, premise uh, connected to it. And so, yes, again, uh, lest we lest we fall into a bottomless pit here, let us. Uh, unless you have anything else to say about this. Let's concede that this is a, a topic that's too, too weirdly too big for us, and um, we could talk about it forever. And uh, maybe this is something that we'll, uh, we'll 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 kind of talk about at a later time. I just wanted to, because as you know, I feel that this is a borderline religious text that we are exploring together. This is divinity theological work um, th- that boss was Higgins saying, I hate to break it to you, Rebecca, but those children are dead. That's that like that was we 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 enjoyed we were just enjoying our little carefree fucking story and she's like, Nope, nope. He's been yeah. in prison and he's been sucking dick behind a dumpster in case anybody cares about that. I'm like oh, wait, what? Oh, Damn. That's just bosses. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. You know where Veruca Salt is right now? Dead. Dead. Oh, well, maybe touring in Europe. I don't know. <laughs> I, do they still tour? That's a terrible. That is. That is. The boss, your face. The face. Sometimes she gives me a look you guys can't see. And. Oh, <laughs> 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 it's so smug. <sighs> she knows she causes me pain and she loves it. Whatever, man. Veruca Salt rips. <laughs> Whatever. Ribs, man. Um, all right. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So, uh, you sure you don't want to headbutt me? I think it might make us feel better. 
And so Beard, he really milks this. He turns his Kangol cap around like Samuel L. Jackson. He braces Nate, puts Nate's little tiny honeydew head between both of his hands. Right. And Nate like braces for impact. You see, he closes his eyes. He's like, this, this shit's going to happen. Maybe I should not have suggested this, but like, right, this, right. We're, we, oh, we're going to do this. Okay. Like, but he takes it like a man. Like, uh, actually, that's sort of a stupid phrase, isn't it? Isn't it funny when you find one of those, when you just bump yeah. into it and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. He takes it like a professional women's soccer player and doesn't flinch from it. There you go. There we and go. And then he, uh, and then he, um, we just see this thing where Beard very slowly, and I loved this. I didn't just like this. I loved it. Yeah, and I did too. Um, he puts his forehead to Nate's forehead very gently and says, Monday, 10 a.m., and then hugs him. I loved that beat. I, I loved did. that moment. Yeah. I, you know that we've – this is maybe the universal thing that we've had on this show that we're all in agreement is like – a really, we we generally tend to agree that the way that the um, Nate Redemption plotline was handled was probably out of sync with where it needed to be. Probably, like in general, we can kind of generally sort of agree on that. Um, and I know not all of the uh, all of our listeners agree with us about that. Um, nevertheless, as a resolution moment, this was. I thought it was just very well. I liked it. I liked this one little tiny moment between two former friends and colleagues as a, as a, as a, as a bridge to the future. They could have kissed, but I'm not mad at it. I can't, I can't tell how serious you are or aren't about that. <laughs> I'm just like, either I mean, way it works. Either way, I can't uh, wait to unpack that with you. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I, I was I, I love the I love the moment. I did. I really did. And and so I had been bracing um for the, the skewering that was gonna come. And it and it and it, and it really wasn't a skewering, but it, it was kind of it was a fat this has been a fascinating like here's another way to look at this. And not even from 180 degrees away, it's almost like from 30 degrees away, which is so so it's very interesting in terms of that. For me, this also is a button on an overall theme that has gone through this entire show, which is not not making someone their worst moment. That, okay, yep, your dad did that, and that was hard for you to deal with, Ted. Uh, tell me something you liked about him. Because guess what? He stayed up all fucking night and read that book. He still did that. You you don't have to think about it. You don't have to talk about it. But he he did fucking do that. Like that gets to be part of his story too, for his sake and yours. And and I just feel like there have been a number of places. Uh, I know after Rebecca's dad died when they're in the office, and, and Roy is very clear about his thoughts on death and how it all works. You know that, that we we've hit that note a number of times that we are not that we we are not served like we are not served by reducing people to their worst moments and so when rebecca you know rebecca coming down and saying i'm a fucking bitch 
and 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 Ted, you know, just being like, put her there, partner. We're good. You yeah, know? but that's because as we established, he's open to being kicked around by anybody. Boss already like fully. You just proved her point. Well, Why did you bring this up? To look at her. No, look at actually, that smug. No, 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 no. She is no, like, yeah. No, if gonna, you go back through the whole story, you'll find you can do anything to Ted. You can do anything. I think you can you, literally. You know what you can do? You can tell him. You can have. You can conspire with your motherfucking therapist, and you tell the therapist to tell him to go to Europe. Then you marry the therapist, <laughs> or, or you date the therapist, and that motherfucker will still be like, we got to raise this boy together. He is impossible yeah. to, like, this is funny. hurt in that way. Like, it, like you, you know, he'll always come. You can kick him. He's a dog that'll always come back, no matter how hard you kick him. I actually fucking hate that, too. No one should ever kick a dog. No, don't kick God, a dog. God, it's terrible. What, what, what is, um, I'm like, belching you're, you're out gonna... horror stories today. I'm very sorry. <laughs> That's because most idioms are terrible. Oh. Yeah, a lot of them really are. I when don't you, know. When we you break them down, the yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. They're always bad. Um, no, actually, I think my reservations about the show taking on too much aside, I think there is a lot to be gained by saying forgiveness can be given more easily than it is. You don't need to extract a pound of flesh. You could say when you are truly okay with something, if it is truly not a big deal, I, um, Spent this last weekend, uh, Friday night, went to a buddy's house. Uh, she has a three-year-old daughter who is working on being fully potty trained and is not there yet. She had an accident. I was already going into the house to get something else. And I was like, oh, I'll take care of her. Don't worry about it. And my friend was like, I cannot let you change my daughter's shitty pants. And I'm like, oh, I love your daughter. Of course I can't. I love you. I love your daughter. This is fine. This is not a thing. And she was like, oh, my God, you're a saint. And I'm like, no, this is not like. Mm. And I like I've been around poop so much. I know so many babies. I didn't care. I think that thank when you for, it thank truly you for adding. Is, I've known so many babies because I've known so many. At babies. first, when you said yeah. I've been around poop so much, my mind well thought, you know what? So many going to be one of those things that boss. No, nope, it's just so many dogs and so many children, and they are poop factors. <laughs> it is unbelievable. That is factual, right there. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it, no, when you truly are in a position where it is not taxing on you to forgive that easily, I believe that that is the right step. I think that Beard not demanding that he get to headbutt Nate is a good thing. I wish that they had been much clearer about the lines between forgiving a good faith mistake and ignoring abuse. That feels like a very big divide for me. But saying to most people in most healthy relationships, we're... Like, if you don't know people who have uh, suffered with substance abuse, this isn't going to apply to you. So you don't need to worry about this aspect of it. You can be nicer to most of the people you know. Most of the people you know aren't drug addicts. And drug addicts are more difficult to deal with, unfortunately. So I actually do agree that it was a nice moment. It was a good way of doing things. I like that they ended it this way, if nothing else, because having the idea that you can let somebody back in order to benefit both of you when that is done correctly is great. And I love that. And I know what they were going for in the scene and I appreciate it. Even if I felt like they didn't get, do all the steps to get there. There's a meme. It's not 
one, it's not a direct line from Richard, but I, I finally found it again. Like I saved it to my photos because I, I, I kept remembering this thing, but never being able to find it. And they describe, and it could be a lie because people tend to do this like, there are African nations where, and then you find out like, that's bullshit. But anyway, I want to believe this is true. So where what they describe is if someone does something, you know, bad, wrong, whatever it might be, that they bring that person to, let's say, the center of town, let's just call it. Um, and they essentially chant to them, like, or they say to them, like, the best of them, essentially. Like, they, they, they actually gather to speak to and, and, and acknowledge the best of you. And that's, it's not your punishment. It's your way of, like, that's not you. Like, that shit you did? Like, what the fuck was that, man? Because I know you, and you're wonderful. And I just, I don't know. I've read about that in Indian culture, too. So, so Okay, simple, so maybe it really yeah, is. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I just, I know it's not that simple, and I know we're not going to, like, replace the criminal justice system with us, you know, all going down to the big park and, and chanting at folks. But sometimes I wonder if, there isn't some of that that we could be doing like. Yeah. Like, so know. actually I, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think that um, the idea, I, I think we've successfully moved away and that uh, parenting away from timeouts. And now mm-hmm. we're to like, talk to me about what happened. Right. I'm going to pull you in and we are going right. to, I'm going to be physically kind. I'm going to talk to you. Tell me about what happened here. Punishment usually doesn't work. Shame definitely doesn't work. Trying to shame somebody into better behavior is not going to get it done. I fundamentally believe that you can't punish or shame somebody into being better in a way that doesn't sacrifice part of who they are. So what you should be doing is reinforcing who they are. You are a good person. You want to make good decisions. You want to help people. You want to be good. I'm going to try to get you there. My only issue with it is I don't think that the person who has been injured is the person that needs to be responsible for doing that for somebody else. But if you were the injured person, you were allowed to take as much time and space as you need or never get there. That being good to people is the way to make them better. But if you are the person who has been injured, you do not need to take that. And I think often when people, this is something I've been thinking about on a a number of different levels, but there's that old phrase, no justice, no peace. And usually it's chanted by, you know, crowds and whatever and blah, blah, blah. But I've really started to like, think about like that phrase and, or that phrasing or that chant or whatever you want to call it. And I think one of the problems in this world. And some of what you're pointing to boss is we often too many of us and we societally choose our peace over other people's justice. So if theoretically my mom, my mom's passed away, but if my mom and my sister are in a fight, and one of them has done or said whatever it is. And I say to the other one, come on, we're family. Let's get back together. You know, blah, blah, blah. Basically, I'm saying I don't want to have two Thanksgivings. 
So why don't you guys do whatever you got to do so I don't have to have two Thanksgivings? I'm choosing my peace over your justice. That's not the same thing as 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 brokering or facilitating some sort of reconciliation or whatever. And I am like the more I've been thinking about this idea, the more it's been hitting me and the more I think there's something very much on point about it of like you it's not okay to choose your peace over someone else's justice. Yeah. I, I think I, I think you're exactly right. And I also think that that's an excellent segue to the next segment because I feel like there's yeah. a small aspect of yeah. Dottie having done that to Ted. It, it Maybe inadvertently. I don't think people are choosing, people right. are thinking like, I want to deny you this because I just want to be happy. But again, the way that people in, in with maladaptive coping mechanisms will seek out whatever it is that makes them feel the best. If you can successfully ignore an issue well enough that you don't need to deal with it. Sometimes that is feeling good enough that you don't need to push it past that. That's a hell of a segue. Before we get there, I wanted to say that when we have the moment between Beard and, and, um, and Nate, and we're really in tight on them at first, then we pull back to a wide shot Yes. And uh, which usually gives it some dramatic tension or some like you have a, a re- sense of resolution when you pull back like that, um, because then you have perspective as an outsider. It shows you like you're in with them in the moment and it pulls back to complete the mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. it interestingly pivots to the right behind the door where Jade is smiling. And I, I mentioned how attractive I find it for some weird reason when you had a pretty <laughs> an attractive person uh, just taking meat off a stick. I'm, I don't know what that is, but I'm like, okay, like I don't, it doesn't quite do it the same way. Like it doesn't have the same effect that well, Rebecca doing it weirdly. Right, but, right. Um, then I was like, okay. And I'm like, okay, this is so, but, but, but the commentary in that is like, this is Jade's victory somehow, which I'm like, okay, good. Like, Actually, you just don't see that very much. Like this is a, a dude bro on bro moment, mm-hmm. and usually you would get to that wide shot and then you cut. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in pivoting mm-hmm. to Jade, you go, you kind of give her the victory, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that's actually very progressive. Like, okay, like how about that? Yeah, like you, you know what I mean. That would really be like about the bros, and that shot makes it about Jade, which I'm like, well, huh? I think like, it makes that it good? about her. But I think more than that, it makes it about, at least on some level, about her relation, her relationship with and to Nate. This is her going, thank God, that's where you belong. Yes. And it came from an inner knowing on her part. And then, again, decisiveness, because we open this scene with her being right about Nate, Mm -hmm. her getting him fired to making Mm -hmm. the choice made him realize uh, whatever, you know, like where he actually was and and that he had a necessity to sort of patch this up and make amends, but also that that's where he belonged. And then it it ends with Jade being like, see, he'd still be at fucking work right now if I hadn't gotten him fired. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? He would have missed this whole thing with Beard. Like, you know, like, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a moment. It's a moment for Jade. Now, here's the thing. I think we got to stop there. What? 
Okay. Okay. So we are going to pick it up next time. I, there's just so much to, still to talk about. And I want to give the, we have some uh, moment coming up with Ted and Dottie that I think we want to give its due diligence and, and really be able to dig into that and have some time to sort of, I didn't expect to go to episode 11, but we're going to do it. So um, with that, we will finish uh, episode 10 here. And uh, Coach, where do people find you if they want to find you? Check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast, Unstuck AF. Uh, we are actively working on season four. And if the goofy host will get his life together, that would be here sooner than later. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, he's a problem. Uh, what about you, boss? Uh, currently still on Twitter. And also on Blue Sky, if you, uh, I'm not getting a lot of traction there. If anybody's interested, go ahead and sky at me or whatever. Uh, it's dumbly underscore chambers. And I promise writing something maybe about Ted Lasso and Seth Meyers now that he is back. Um, that would all be at The Antagonist, which is antagonistblog.com. I love that. I can't wait to sky at you, boss. Um, I think we follow each other there. I have like a... like. I think I have so. two followers and blue sky, blue ski. I follow you both, but yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't been uh, doing too much blue sky in as of yet. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Thank you everyone. Thanks. Uh, thanks for, for listening and for joining us. This is a big one. Uh, next, next episode is going to also be a big one. It's heavy. It's heavy stuff. We're, 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 there's a lot to explore here and it feels like it's the confluence of a lot of the themes that have uh, made us love the show so um yeah thanks for getting to this point um please support your uh your local libraries and the written word and um make sure to keep supporting the actors from sag and after who are on strike um and uh you know like i would i should say the auto workers too because i mean there's like a lot of people on strike rightfully because there's not enough goddamn money to go around uh where it should go around and it's all mm-hmm. no there's that's, that's all the being there's pocketed by the wrong motherfuckers yes. so mm-hmm. plenty of money not enough sharing yeah i know it's a real basic concept the sharing thing you'd think we we, we would have uh, figured it out by now um I think a lot of shit but yeah no. anyway thanks for being with us and um until next time we are richmond, richmond till, till we, we die, die. through your bone there coach through your bone I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.